This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Joy 94.9. This is Gay News Week on Joy 94.9. Have your say. 1300 Joy 949. Gay, Gay News. News Week. Gay News Week on Joy 94.9. Joy. Joy 94.9. Good evening and welcome to Gay News Week on Joy 94.9 with Katie Larson. And Matt Thompson. Here at Gay News Week, we cover the topics that have been in the GLBTI news over the past week and have an impact on you, us and our community. Yes, and on tonight's show, first up, we'll be speaking with our international affairs correspondent, Andrew Potts from Gay Star News, um, to tell us a little bit more about the gay propaganda bill that is uh, about to be passed in Russia. Mm. We'll also be speaking to Alec Webley, who's the convener of the first ever Australian LGBTI Youth Summit and also heads up the UN Youth, Youth Australia, so... Um, it'll be great to chat with him. Certainly. And, of course, our national and international wrap-up. And, of course, if throughout the show you want to get in contact and share your thoughts, this is how you do so. You're listening to the Gay Newsweek podcast with Katie, Jeffrey, and Matt. Get in touch. Email gaynewsweek at joy.org.au or check out joy.org.au slash gaynewsweek for all of the links to our social media pages. And first up tonight on Gay Newsweek, the Russian parliament is making moves towards banning the promotion of homosexuality across the country. Uh, joining us to discuss this further is Andrew Potts from Gay Star News. He joins us every week to bring us all the latest in international news and he joins us uh, this evening. Good evening, Andrew. G'day, Matt. All right, so, Andrew, my understanding of this, uh, watching and reading about it this afternoon, is basically that Russia's passing a bill which is going to make it illegal to... Well, one, one article has said to tell kids gay people exist, but it's really to even talk about or act on or reference anything to do with... With non-traditional, um, in doing little quotation marks there, um, relationships. Is that the situation? That's right. So the the lower house of, of Russia's parliament has just passed a bill which would see uh, discussion of so-called propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations uh, in any venue where a child might hear it. Um, so potentially that, that would mean that uh, any positive discussion of gay issues would be banned from television. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any uh, positive demonstration of homosexuality in a public place could potentially be outlawed and of course gay protests would be completely illegal. As if, is this something we've been expecting out of Russia? Yeah, it's been coming for a while. Uh, a number of the, the states or oblasts, as they're called, have already passed laws uh, banning uh, gay propaganda, and those laws have been enforced. I think there's about five or six of them, and but this is the first time we've seen a national law aiming at banning it. Um, and it's considering the vote was 434 against, uh, sorry, in favour with only one abstention. Uh, Raises a few little questions about yeah, democracy, and, doesn't and, it? And even that abstention wasn't actually over the, the, the banning of homosexual propaganda. It was over a clause in the, the bill which would see foreigners um, punished harder than Russian citizens. So how many people um, actually voted against the law? Uh, none. Wow. None, yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um, and so, as I mentioned, um, foreigners will be punished more severely, uh, with foreigners yeah, right. being potentially jailed for up to... 15 days, mm. uh, whereas individuals breaching the law would be fined uh, about $200. 
What is the uh, – we've seen a lot or a couple of different stories out of Russia recently um, going sort of the opposite direction from where we want to be moving with LGBT rights. Why – where is that coming from? Like, obviously the government, but what's – is there an undercurrent that we're aware of or – Sure. Well, there, there have been a lot of homophobic murders in the, in the lead-up to this debate, um, but uh, essentially what we're seeing here is uh, Vladimir Putin, he, he – gets a lot of his power from the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, Russian, Russian Orthodox um, priests often tell their congregations to vote for his party. So it's a way about uh, rewarding his support base. Right. Who's fighting for the GLBTI community in Russia? Are there any groups set up that, that, that are fighting for the rights? Uh, sure, there, there are quite a few different uh, LGBT groups around the country and mm-hmm. there's also just more general uh, groups like uh, the International Lesbian and Gay Associations Europe Europe branch which has um, been making a lot of statements on this. Do you think they're going to have any effect? Is there going to be an, is there enough um, that we can do in terms of international pressure to actually stop this? It's it's really hard to say what what the rest of the world can do and I th- I think this is also it's it's about nationalism as well. It's about you know Russia regaining its greatness and then you know, not the world not being able to tell to what to do. So it's it's you know unless we saw huge embargoes placed on the country, I really don't know what would happen. Russia is one of those countries where it, it's a little bit stubborn when it comes to um, getting along with the rest of the world. Like we've seen recently um, with Syria, um, that they've been supporting Syria in what they're doing to the people in their country. So it's really not looking very good at all. No, it's not. Okay, Andrew, well, thank you for joining us and giving us a little bit more information on that. We will, of course, speak to you later in the show for all the other international news. And, of course, this is Gay News Week. It's Katie and Matt with you this evening. Coming up, we're speaking to the UN Youth Assembly about the LGBT Youth Summit. Gay News Week. Around Melbourne on 94.9 and streaming around the world at joy.org.au. This is Gay News Week with Katie and Matt this evening. Now, a few weeks ago, Melbourne staged the first LGBT Youth Summit at Melbourne University. The event was organised by the United Nations Youth Australia and attracted 15 to 18-year-olds from across Victoria. We're joined on the line by the summit convener, Alec Webley. Alec, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Now, it's an interesting concept, this Youth Summit. What actually inspired the development of it? Um, it was inspired, I think, by two things. First, uh, an observation that uh, a few friends of mine and I were made one evening, which was that the discussion about same-sex, the rights of same-sex attracted and gender-diverse people in Australia had become basically this endless drumbeat about marriage. Mm. And while that's, you know, marriage is an important issue, when you look at what same-sex attracted people are experiencing in most of the rest of the world, we're talking about problems of violence, we're talking about problems of, of really overt discrimination. And these are issues that Australia can have enormous influence on, but we never hear about them in Australian politics. So we really wanted to try and draw attention to what Australia can do for LGBT rights on the world stage. And I think for young people, we really wanted to put on an event that was about LGBTI rights that wasn't, uh, that, that was able to attract a really diverse range of, of, of people, both LGBT and allied mm. um, so that they could actually start thinking about these and the, these issues and take action on them in the local communities. Now, I believe it's uh, it's the first Australian LGBT um, summit in um, in the country, obviously. And um, how many? Do you know how many people were involved? Um, we had 160 attendees. Okay. Um, and about 30 or, or 40 people were involved, obviously, in the in the planning of it. Mm. So it was a, certainly good for the uh, the first LGBT summit uh, ever. Obviously, we hope to grow 
even more from there. And where were those people from? Do, do we know how many of them identified as being GLBTI or uh, what, what kind of um, young people made up the group? Um, it was a really diverse group. Uh, about 40% identified as same-sex attracted or gender diverse. Okay. Obviously, between 16 to 18, a lot of students are still working um, with their identities, and so there's, I think, a lot of people who are still working out um, their identity. But there was a lot of people who physically identified and a lot of people who identified strongly as allies. Yeah. So it was a very diverse group, as well as diverse in terms of we had a large representation from regional Victoria, about 30 to 40 students from regional and rural areas of Victoria, which was really great. Yeah, right. 40%. That's um, it's actually quite... I was quite surprised by that number. It's quite actually low. I'm, I'm quite surprised by how many, um, yeah, as you said, allies were involved. And it's really positive to see that kind of, um, that kind of participation. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think we have to recognise at the end of the day that, um, especially in Australia, where... Uh, there isn't a strong history of judicial intervention. Uh, you know, a lot of rights issues are going to be decided at the ballot box, and so the more allies, the better. Right. Now, I think it's a really important point that you mentioned earlier, that it's not it's not all about marriage, and there is a lot going on both in Australia and around the world that we need to be considering when we're talking about LGBTI rights. Mm. Um, so with that in mind, what was actually, what were some of the other issues discussed at the summit and some of the findings that came out of it? So uh, the issues that were discussed, I mean, they included a a really wide variety of things, a lot of discussion of uh, rights in education, um, ensuring that we're actually educating um, people about gender identity and about same-sex attraction um, in a way that is rooted in science and is rooted in um, sort of how how these things ought to be taught. We all did a lot of... Uh, Sorry, on that, on that, Alec, what, what did actually come out of that? So were you talking about um, in schools particularly or just on, as in terms of the broader community? So the students generated a youth resolution that articulated all of their views about LGBT rights in 10 different topic areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have the resolution in front of me and the students wanted to urge in uh, curricula uh, in all Australian high schools that we would have human rights education, education about sexual assault, education about um, sexuality, inclusion of non-heteronormative subject matter into all aspects of study, helping Mm. to normalize gender and sexual diversity. So it was a real wide range of things. It's really interesting to hear um, these kind of fresh ideas that, that, that's come out of this summit. Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of shows that there's, um, there's a bit of a lack in, in, in basically the, the people who are leading the country and, and the world at the moment in, the, in these areas. So it's actually really interesting to see that the young people are coming up with these ideas. Well, you know, it's really, it's really telling because we sent this youth resolution to every single member of the federal parliament, all the senators and all the MPs. And... You know, quite a few of the responses we got back were these sort of curt things saying, well, you know, I already support same-sex marriage. Why oppose same-sex marriage? It's like, but no, mm. that was point one. There were 49 <laughs> points from the thing. Read the whole thing. Exactly. So I think it, 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 it's not just that, it's not just, you know, young people that aren't really seeing how Australia can take action on, on LGBTI rights. It's also our politicians. You know, Australia is sitting on the UN Security Council. It's the world's top sort of governing body mm. so much so hard as it exists, 
And there's so much capacity for Australia to be advocating mm. for what we would consider, like everyone, no matter what your political alignment, would certainly agree that violence against LGBT people is bad. Like yep. we can get all the politicians to agree on that, but yet we're not using our leverage in the world stage to actually advance those human rights causes in places where it'll make a real difference. That's right. That's and it's, it's incredibly important, and I think incredibly exciting to have people of 15 to 18 being active in this kind of movement. So mm. where to from here for the summit in? terms of getting um, the declaration moving and also uh, are there future ones planned and how do you how do you bring more people into this process so I think it's I think it's quite a few things I think there's a lot of work that's already being done um, to the safe schools coalition Victoria um, yep. through minus 18 through a lot of diff- through it gets better to a lot of different NGOs it, it, it really it starts with education um, so I think we're trying to we're trying to make some of an annual thing. So every year on or around International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia, we'll hold the summit. Um, obviously, we're going to try and expand it and make it and increase the amount of programming that we have and increase the number of young people who can get involved in it. Um, we were very lucky to get a, quite a bit of generous sponsorship from Free Hills. Uh, in order to allow students, no matter their region or socioeconomic level, to be able to attend, mm. you always want to build on that. Um, and I think as well, it's generating programming throughout, uh, you know, high schools and, and throughout the country, actually educating people about these international issues. And I think it's also about um, making sure that these things are integrated into the curriculum. Um, well, I guess so, uh, what level of acceptance is there in sort of the 15 to 18 year old bracket in terms of w- the discussions that were had at the summit like what are people reporting back about what their peers um level of acceptance is around lgbti rights like i would i would imagine that marriage is almost a given um at with that generation but what about some of the other issues um, I think there was a there was a very wide range of acceptance about identity. There was a very wide range of acceptance around really the, the major international issues. I, mean, I think I think it's difficult from 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 an Australian perspective. You know, um, comparatively speaking, uh, same sex attracted gender diverse people have it so much better here than so many sure. other places around the world. Yep. Mm. You know, the stuff that we're talking about in terms of advancing the cause of human rights internationally, is such basic stuff. Mm. You know, it's, it's not having a, a, a corrupt criminal justice system. It's, it's mm. not having a system where, you know, the state is actually engaging in violence itself against same-sex attractive people. Like, that's the level we're kind of working at. So I would say there was almost total consensus that we need to take more action. I think the difficulty is, you know, we're, we're sitting here in a, in a very peaceful, orderly, uh, you know, society where there yeah. isn't this kind of state-backed violence, there isn't all these, these different things, and trying to connect people to actually take international activism um, and, 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 and actually try and do things on a world stage is, is quite a challenge. We are speaking to UN Youth Australia LGBT Youth Summit convener Alec Webley here on Gay News Week this evening. Alec, uh, do you know anything um, about, is there any similar um, conferences or summits around the world that are happening? This is the first one in Australia. Do you know of any others around the, con- uh, around the world? Certainly. Well, there's a lot of uh, conferences that occur for tertiary students, um, as you might imagine, in Europe and the United States, mm-hmm. um, often affiliated with the student movement, the National Union of Students, um, I believe in, in, in Australia has a, a small LGBT gathering, and in the UK and US also has a very large LGBT conference. Um, I would say what makes our summit different is, is that very few youth summits, of which I'm aware, have an international focus. 
Mm. Usually it mm. is a large high school student summit, but it's mostly focused on improving tolerance in high schools, which is very important. Yep. Um, I think for, for us as UN youth, our big, uh, our mission really is to open young eyes to the world. And so when we think of all of these different issues, we try and connect uh, the local to the global. And that was, I think, what made the summit quite a bit different. I'm just reading an article online, actually, that's just come on Star Observer this afternoon that reports that um, Australia is actually one of the most tolerant countries in the world when it comes to accepting homosexuality. So exactly what you're saying, basically, in this survey included 39 countries just asking the question, should society accept homosexuality? Um, and basically 79% of Australians said yes in, in across the survey. So it really reinforces this idea that, um, and it's something we've been talking about a bit on this show, is that it's um, it's really good to push the issues at home, but it, more important to understand understand the, the global context and really be trying to educate and inform on those issues. Absolutely. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if, a, if a same-sex attracted couple wishes to receive all the standard benefits of marriage, it's possible to do that here. Yep. Uh, you know, if they wanted to receive even the benefit of, of public recognition in a place like Uganda, it's just impossible. Mm. That's exactly right. Now, Alec, you are the National Secretary of the UN Youth Australia. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that organisation? It's a volunteer-run organisation, I believe. Yes, it is entirely youth-led and entirely volunteer-run. Um, we are uh, somewhat paradoxically Australia's oldest youth organisation. Um, we were founded shortly after the United Nations was, and our mission, as I said, was to open young eyes to the world, and we do that through trying to educate and empower young Australians, mostly through a range of innovative educational programmes whether those are model UN competitions or youth conferences, events like the LGBT summit, um, essay competitions, publications, uh, there's a whole variety of activities um, that we do, and any young person who has an interest in the UN and in promoting global awareness uh, is very welcome to join. If you just go to our website, obligatory plug here, www.unyouth.org.au. Great. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us, um, Alec. It's been wonderful to talk to you and an amazing project that you're doing. Good luck with the developments from the summit and we, we'd be really keen to hear um, an update from you further down the track. Cheers. Thank you so much. Gay Newsweek. It's Katie and Matt with you this evening. And before we get to the GLBTI National Affairs Roundup, uh, we've had a message, Katie. We have. And this is in regards to our earlier story tonight about um, the gay propaganda in Russia. Mm-hmm. So the message was, hi, guys. Putin, as in Vladimir, Putin Vladimir is an ex- Putin. Yes, is an ex-KGB agent. What do you expect from a mindset like that? So sad. The Orthodox Church here in Australia isn't indicative of that conservatism there. Mm, totally. It's a good point. It is indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much for your your feedback. It's time to uh, take a look at the stories making news around the country. And uh, first up, Australian marriage equality has uh, made a move where they're backing Kevin Rudd um, over Julia Gillard to lead the country. Yes. Yes, they are. And I'm I'm not sure how I feel. Actually, I know how I feel about this one. I don't know. Look, the whole thing's a bit of a disaster, really. I don't... My issue with this, as I said a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about Kevin Rudd's blog is that mm. he, he he in this story it's the fact that he supports marriage equality and he allegedly told LGBT rights campaigners at a private meeting in 2011 that if he was Prime Minister gay marriage would already be legalised in Australia. Well he was Yes Prime he Minister, was the Prime Minister of the country. And in the lead up to that election he said very clearly he did not support gay marriage and yep. then during his his time as Prime Minister he was against gay marriage. So mm. I think this is all a bit of a farce. I mean, the whole Labor Party's in disarray, but this is just, you know, let's add, add it in. I don't think, I don't think 
personally that it's it's particularly helpful for the movement towards Australian uh, towards marriage equality to me now supporting Kevin Rudd. Can we get a federal election check? What do you reckon? Is Labor going to win the September election? Are you asking me? I'm asking you first. <laughs> I'm going to go around the table. Well, it's not looking good, is it? I keep kind of hoping, even though, you know, obviously have issues with the Labor Party, I kind of um, kind of keep hoping that maybe yeah. um, we could say, because I think what's important to remember here is that the, um, the Labor policy is actually very good and they've made a lot of good moves. They yep. just haven't particularly sold themselves that well. I'm going to go to our web lady, Shannon. Uh, Shannon, what do you reckon? Is Labor going to make it across the line in September? I think Australia uh, Australia likes an underdog. They've yeah. created this underdog. Totally. And I think, I wouldn't cut Labor out just yet. Mm. I'd say count on the Australian spirit to go, you know what? Look what we did. Let's, did we, ho- let's hope. Let's, let's, let's hope, hope something rolls what we did, like that. What we did, like the disaster? Or? <laughs> look what we did. We've, we've destroyed the Australian Labor Party. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, look, we'll put them back in because look at the look at your options, Australia. Yeah, Have that's a right. good look. That's because true. the rest of the Pacific's watching and we're all scared. <laughs> Have you talked to Nauru? <laughs> Thank you very much, Shannon. Uh, you can hear more witty insights like that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Gay Newsweek Joy. I'm um, staying on with this story. Um, uh, there's been a petition online um, had over what, six thousand five hundred signatures um, to have recognition of overseas same-sex marriages recognised here in Australia. Yes, that's right. So this is the Sarah Hanson Young, the Green Senator, wants to change this by basically removing the section of the Marriage Act which prohibits recognition of overseas marriages mm-hmm. um, as kind of like a step towards marriage equality and the petition is online now it's it's through Australian marriage equality and you can you can go to it through change.org.au so if you want to sign it mm-hmm. Get on board. Totally. Um, there's been a new survey that's been released by an American research body called the Pew Research Institute. <laughs> was um, I just think I like the name Pew. of this because it sounds like pew, pew, like gu- yeah. anyway, toy guns. Anyway, it's a good survey, apparently. Um, it shows that Australia is one of the most tolerant countries in the world when it comes to accepting the gays. It is. This is the one I mentioned a little bit earlier during our chat with Alec. That's right, um, too. So, yes, Australia comes out as one of the most tolerant. We know this, this is particularly what the Youth Summit was about. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the most negative responses. Oh, Sorry, some of the other good ones. Yep, other good ones include Canada. Yep, Czech, Czech Republic. Yep, Germany and Spain. We're That's reading from right. the same list. Good that to see. We are. We're working well together here this evening. And negative <laughs> responses match. Oh, Africa. <laughs> And the Middle East, which really, there's no surprises there. No, not if you ever listen to our international news roundup. No, it's not. We'll good have at more all. on that later in the show. Totally. But biggest increases in support were recorded in South Korea and the United States. And just one last little add in here. Oh yeah. The largest negative shift was France. Well, that's good to see. Obviously, they've just had no. Hang no, on. No negative shift. That really? would be they dropped oh, by oh, six points to seventy-seven. They're, they're just the crazies, though. Yeah, well, I know, but it's still not good news. No. Oh, well. They've got marriage now. <laughs> they can get married regardless it needs of what to be, people think. It needs to be made very clear That's that just because they've got marriage, it doesn't mean they have human rights and we need to take that very seriously. Well, it means that um, <laughs> American Indians also have marriage. Everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. Thank you, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, Katie? Ah, Yes. Let's talk about the seroconversion study, which, Matt... Yeah, okay, fine, I, I can take this one. So basically, it's a study that's being run by the Kirby Institute, and it's uh, it's it's investigating the different 
ways that being HIV positive can have an effect on your life. Um, it, there's been a study in a different form that's been going since 1992. Um, this one with the Kirby Institute where it's a more of a national look mm. is um, started in 2007. Um, it started in, in clinics kind of thing, but now it's, it's moved more online and you can complete a survey online as well. Yes, uh, interesting. Since the beginning of the study, it's been found that the average age of men at diagnosis is 35. 35, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Hmm. I don't know why, but I assumed it would skew younger. And the most common place where people believed to be infected was at their their partner's or their friend's house. Yeah, totally. If you want to in- get involved uh, with the survey, um, anyone over the age of 18 living in Australia can um, and, and that's been diagnosed with HIV in the past two years can participate. It's actually funded by health departments in New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, WA and the ACT. Well done, yes. Now, tackling transphobia in the AFL. This is an interesting story about a Cairns trans woman Mm -hmm. uh, called Michelle Diamond who's actually just become a goal umpire in the AFL's North Queensland League in Cairns. Mm. So she's basically using that opportunity to show that they're – because she's out in in her role there and she was really nervous going along to training one night, but she's been very much accepted and she's using it to talk about the fact that, you know, good things happening and it's exciting and you can change the kind of way things are in those traditional totally this is actually a really feel good story it um, is. It's, it's it's she's being accepted and, and and it's she hasn't had any problems which i think is absolutely wonderful uh, michelle diamond is her name and uh, i found that one on star observer I, f- I thought it was actually a really good in good article yes i thought so too and mm. good to have a good news story particularly when we've talked a lot about what's happening in the afl and just yep. little advances are happening in some of those smaller leagues which is really positive mm. Um, a young South Australian teenager has um, is trying to establish a program aimed at combating homophobic bullying among young people in rural communities communities. That is right. Um, uh, this is a 17-year-old named Luke Sivior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's pushing this project. It's called the Breaking Down the Door Day Project. Yes, that's right. Now, this was part of the ABC's Haywire program, which is mm. a really cool program, which is about encouraging young rural and regional people to think about ways that they could improve their communities. Yep. And so he, that, this program has come through that with the GLBTI focus. And it's actually um, came about because a mate of his came yeah. out and he was generally accepted, but then particularly, particularly on social media he was bullied and ridiculed and all of that stuff so he wanted to make something that could help him out which is pretty cool yeah it's, it's actually a really cool project definitely check that one out yes and finally this evening last week we talked to you about some uh, anti-gay marriage signs that were in Tassie yep Wynyard in Tasmania I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly where that is but it's, it's in there Shannon will look that up and post a map I think <laughs> let's get it to map do that map of Tassie <laughs> no no <laughs> oh dear <laughs> No, no, no. Moving Just, on. Just, I was tasking. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Do not Google that on Joy's Wi-Fi, please. Uh, moving on. Anyway. Uh, I can post a link. <laughs> I'm sure. Never mind. No, <laughs> I'm not going to no. say what I was um, So, the sign that we were talking about last week was basically where there were protesters having a kiss in in front of the sign. Mm. And now the sign's been vandalised. So, mm. it seems that supporters of marriage equality... Um, have been vandalising the sign. Yeah. Um, but then this has created this whole other issue of, um, you know... It's not the way to go about it. It's not ideal. No, definitely not. ideal to become the vandalisers. I think we sort of like to sit in a self-righteous position where we can <laughs> and we're not going to do that if we can keep vandalising signs. But you can understand there might be a little bit of anger about this. And so, anyway, that's happening in Tassie. Yeah, totally. And that just about wraps up the GLBTI yes. National Affairs Roundup here on Gay Newsweek. Gay Newsweek. It's Gay Newsweek with Kate.
Katie and Matt this evening, and it's now time for the GLBTI International Affairs Roundup, and as always, we're joined by Andrew Potts from Gay Star News. Good evening again, Andrew. Hey, guys. Yes, now, Andrew, first off tonight, a little bit disappointed in the homeland. Uh, uh, so, about a month ago, we were talking and celebrating gay marriage in New Zealand, but now there's a story out of there that basically there was a fan at an All Blacks game on uh, the weekend, I think, and she was complained about homophobic slurs at the game and was told that it's just part of the deal, really. That's right. So, uh, Hannah Spikesman, uh, she's a 24-year-old, she was watching the game with her girlfriend uh, and she complained about nearby fans using homophobic slurs against the players and the, the fans just turned around and told her, look, it's part of the game, mm. you don't like it, you should leave. And when they complained further, they started uh, yelling slurs at them as well. Now, after after the, the match, they, they complained, complained to the, uh, the management of the Eden, Eden Park Stadium. Mm-hmm. And again, they were told, look, it's just part of the game. And, you know, the stadium said, you know, they didn't think the behaviour was appropriate, but it wasn't their job to be the PC police. This is absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, in Australia, we're seeing a lot of moves um, towards getting rid of um, homophobia in the AFL. Um, To see this kind of reaction in New Zealand is really disappointing in in a country where you would expect um, it to be a little bit better, obviously, with the situation in marriage. That said, I'm just going to add to this. I think it's an interesting one because I think as someone who does actually go to the football here a lot, these kinds comments get made all the time and actually I think it shows progress that someone is speaking up about it and saying this isn't okay so it's an interesting reaction from Eden Park but obviously there's a lot of media interest that's coming out of it which might actually affect um, it'll be interesting to see what happens now has there been any reaction because this was in the New Zealand Herald which is the major newspaper over there has there been any reaction from the stadium since that's been the story's come out Andrew Uh, not as far as I know I I think as far as they're, they're They're concerned it's not their job to to, uh, police the the fans' behaviour as long as it's not breaking the law. Right. Wow. Very disappointing. And a bit of a a better story out of Nepal. Um, A GLBTI rights group has had its licence renewed after a bit of a, a fight with the government. That's right. So the Blue Diamond Society is Nepal's largest LGBT rights group. Mm-hmm. Uh, its leader is uh, Sunil Pant. Uh, he's also been elected to the Nepalese parliament. Um, but for uh, quite some time, they've had their, their funding and registration suspended. And that meant they had to, to let go 750 staff and others just went uh, went without pay. Uh, and apparently it was because the, the chief of the local district office had a grudge against the organisation and basically there were there were all these uh, corruption allegations that were made and there were, I think they were investigated three different times and now since then there's been a new chief district officer appointed who's done another investigation and found that the, the, the charges against the group were false so they've, they've now been given uh, licensing again and will be able to continue their work. It does sound like fairly familiar um, Nepalese government style really to be honest they do have a lot of issues with corruption there but this organisation is is um, very much a leader in what it does. Has it done a lot of good work for LGBT rights in Nepal, hasn't it? That's right. So, uh, for example, uh, third gender people are now legally recognised in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, the group's now campaigning to allow transgender people to change their names officially. Uh, and they've also been very important uh, in the, the constitutional court challenge uh, there, which should hopefully see the government legalise same-sex marriage soon. Oh, yeah, very, great. Very, That's fantastic. Very good. Moving to Ukraine now, and a human rights commissioner has called for a GLBTI hate crime law. 
Yeah, so this is obviously uh, very different news than what's been coming out of Russia recently. Yeah. And the Ukraine is a former Soviet state. Mm. Um, so their commissioner for human rights has called for lawmakers to add LGBT status to laws in the country's criminal code, which seek greater responsibility placed on perpetrators who commit crimes motivated by hatred. Um, so, you know, this is, I think it's probably a first for a former Soviet country to, mm. to do this. Um, and and it, would, it would be really good to see some of the former Soviet states perhaps move away from the example that Russia is setting at the moment. Absolutely, and particularly at this time, it would seem even more important to show that it is actually sort of an isolated situation in Russia. Um, and in other news, not so good, um, in Ghana, a religious sect leader has, well, it's one of those stories that we do sometimes with the, you know, the blame the gays, but he's blamed some fires at markets on gay sex. Yeah, so according to uh, Prophet Kwabena Tawaya of the Church of Rabbi, uh, mm-hmm. God is going around Accra setting fire to markets. Um, God's apparently doing this because he's upset that there's too much gay sex occurring in the country and because there's murders and stealings and other sins. And he's implored on uh, Ghanaians to renounce their, their deeds and seek God's face because if they don't, there'll be continuous fires for the rest of the year. You know, in when we get these stories out of places like the Westboro Church and the States and things like that, it's, mm. it's you know, we tend to have a little bit of a chuckle about them. But in a country like Ghana, I mean, this mm. is incredibly damaging and um, quite terrifying, I'm sure for the LGBTI residents. Yeah, I mean, and this, this story was reported completely uncritically in the, the Ghanaian press. Yeah. I mean, I th- I, the thing that I really wonder is that he claims to have predicted the fire, the fires would happen over a year ago. So when you have a church in a, in a city mm. and there's all these fires going on, you kind of wonder maybe if someone other than God is setting the fire. <laughs> you do. At least should probably be investigated. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Just an idea. It's one of those stories that you hear uh, that where religion is being blamed for something this awful and it's just... It makes you a little bit frustrated that religions aren't at their base meant to be about this kind of thing. No. Like, like, if we're talking about a Christian religion, it's meant to be about love. It's not meant mm. to be about... Um, blaming people for certain acts like this that really obviously is clearly not an act of God. Absolutely. Um, It's very frustrating, I think. Yep, absolutely. And I think uh, certainly in some of those African countries that is is particularly used in... um, in arguments against homosexuality. Totally. So it's, yeah. There was one interesting thing about this, the story. One of the, the markets where the uh, fires broke out was the Sodom and Gomorrah market. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Radio>. <laughs> Obviously. Wait, wait. <laughs> yes, I suspect it wasn't God. <laughs> um, okay, and in the States, we've got a, f- a couple of different stories of um, positive moves in the US military. The first being that um, there's a lesbian that's now been promoted to the rank of Major General in the US Air Force Reserve. That's right. So P- Patricia Trish Rose, she's been promoted to the, the rank of Major General. It's the, the highest rank that any LGB person has, sorry, LGBT person has ever been appointed in the US military. That's right. And she was uh, appointed by her direct supervisor, General Janet Wolfenbarger, who is the first uh, female four-star general in the, the Air Force. And uh, following on from that, we've seen some other good news in the the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we had the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and we're seeing further reforms after that. 
Yeah, it's very positive. So now there's it's that US troops, same-sex partners are going to start to receive benefits. Yeah, they'll receive some benefits. Okay. Not the full benefits of, of uh, heterosexual married couples because ah. the Defense of Marriage Act is still in place. Mm. Right. Okay. Yes. So they can they can only do a certain amount in um, in terms of domestic partnership. Is that correct? That's correct. And they'll they'll have to have a they'll have to formally register their domestic partnerships with uh, the US Army to re- to be able to receive those benefits. Um, but they won't get a lot of benefits such as uh, health care and housing housing allowance for their spouses, uh, which is unfortunate. So that would be the kind of thing in the States you would only see once um, gay marriage was... Um Past. That's correct. Across the board. They don't have de facto, de facto status. Yep. Uh, the only relationships that are legally married in the States are um, uh, marriages or, or civil partnerships and things like that. Okay. And last off, uh, following on with the don't ask, don't tell theme, uh, the Democrats are planning to repeal uh, the dishonourable charges of um, for, for gay US military personnel. That's correct. So th- th- this was announced by Long Island Democrat Steve Israel. He's announced a plan uh, to put forward legislation, which would mean that any uh, LGBT person who was kicked out of the military over their sexuality, uh, they would be given the full benefits of all other veterans. Mm-hmm. People who've been uh, kicked out of the US Army dishonorably, they don't uh, have the same uh, access to veterans' affairs and veterans' hospitals that yeah, right. veterans do. And it's it's um, uh, estimated that over th- uh, 30,000 uh, DLBT uh, veterans have been excluded from receiving those benefits uh, f- wow. from... Uh, World War One, where LGBTs were formally banned uh, until 2012, sorry, 2011, when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. Mm. Right, so that's incredibly significant then. So he's, he's putting forward legislation, so still a long road to go with that, but, uh, you know, one of a series of very positive outcomes in, or, or moves in the US military. That's right, and he was uh, joined in making that announcement with... Uh, a World War II veteran, Robert O. Hawkins, Jr. Oh, uh, he was kicked out in 1962 after decades of service. Uh, and he said that if he'd been allowed to stay in, he would have been an admiral by now. Oh, it's yeah. just remarkable to hear, I think, some of those stories. And so important, I guess, as, as we continue to make strides um, in acceptance to um, to recognise those that haven't had the same luck. Andrew Potts from Gay Star News. I think that's about all for the International Affairs Roundup tonight. Thank you very much for joining us on Gay News Week. Anytime. Thanks, Andrew. Gay News Newsweek. Katie and Matt with you this evening. Yes, it is. And we've had a few messages. Uh, the first is um, in regards to our discussion earlier about the uh, disaster that is Australian politics. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, and who we think might win the election, uh, if anyone still is interested. Um, and someone sent in the lesser of two evils, I assume referring to Labor. Mm. It's about the policies, a mad monk as PM, question mark. What does that mean? And what that means is um, Tony Abbott's nickname is the mad monk. No, He's not it? so much known as that these days, although... I've never heard of that before. Really? Well, it's, I, I've had a little... I Pick had up a, a book. I, <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. I had a... I, <laughs> I had a Google because I thought it was specifically about the fact that he was a fierce Catholic. But it's also, of course, that his name is Tony Abbott, Abbott being a a leader of the monks. Right. And, of course, that he's mad. 
Okay. <laughs> That's, that part's probably fairly Sure. <laughs> I'm going to go on to what actually I do know about. And Dean Beck, uh, one of the presenters here yeah. at Joy, has sent us a message. He says, uh, the average age of new HIV cases has been steadily dropping over mm. the last five years from 39 to now 35. This is a worrying trend. A very good point indeed. Um, it is very worrying. It's showing that people are getting uh, are younger when they're first getting yeah. um, diagnosed. Not yeah, good no, at all. Absolutely. No, you don't want to say that at all. Mm-mm. Now, uh, we are coming up to the end of the show very are. quickly. This has been Gay News Week, but unfortunately we have run out of time. We need to thank God, otherwise known as Matt Nock, for pushing oh, our buttons. I thought we were actually thanking God. <laughs> I was like, well, this has taken a turn. Look, I God lights ex- fires, okay? He just <laughs> thanks God. Matt. At least he doesn't. He is God. That and we of, know of. And of course, I need to thank the charming tones of Shannon for joining us on air tonight, not charming only tone. just on Twitter. Yeah, lovely. And thanks for yeah. the donuts. Thank um, you for the donuts before the show as well. Delicious. That's why we're all high on sugar. If you'd like to suggest topics, email gaynewsweek at joy.org.au. Um, you can catch an encore presentation at Tuesday nights at midnight. But until next week, we are Katie Larson and Matt Thompson. This has been Gay News Week. You've been listening to Gay News Week. Check out joy.org.au slash gaynewsweek for all of the links on how you can keep up to date with the team on social media. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday from 7pm right here on Joy 94.9. Want to know what's going on in our diverse community? Tune in to Joy's range of current affairs programs. 7pm Mondays, Generation Next. Tuesdays at 7, Sultan Pepper. 7pm Wednesdays, Gay News Week. And Thursdays from midday, On the Line. Thursdays at 7pm, Rainbow Report. Then again on Saturdays from 10 to midday, Saturday Magazine. And across the week, the Community Network News Team bring you the Joy 94.9 GLBTIQ News Wrap. A look back at the news of the week in our community. Yes, we have one of the longest running in-house news services on community radio, bringing you the latest every morning, midday and evening. Be informed and empowered through your news and current affairs lineup on the gayest station in the nation, Joy 94.9. To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.